this is Pastor Daniel McGee with Connection Church in New York City. Thank you for listening to our church's weekly podcast. We hope God uses this sermon to encourage you and to increase your faith in Him. If you'd like to know more about our church, please check out our website at ConnectionNYC.com or like us on Facebook at ConnectionNYC. Grace and peace be with you. So tonight we're looking at Exodus chapter 40, and we're ending our series called The Way Forward. But I'm hoping that we're going to take practical uh, principles that we've learned throughout this series and, and move forward together. So just because we're stopping the series doesn't mean that we're stopping our move forward. The word of the Lord is, is strong here when it talks about how in Exodus chapter 40 that the people would not go And they wouldn't go unless the Lord was with them. And so we're going to see tonight how we, like them, can make sure we stay moving forward in our life. So tonight's sermon is entitled, The Way Forward, which is the title of our series altogether. So this will bring it all together. I hope that you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. I enjoyed the fact that I I felt like I had two Saturdays this week. And I really enjoyed that a lot because I slept in twice and I didn't feel guilty. Anybody else? Just a few of you? All right, good. Fantastic. Well, this is coming to an end, and we're starting next week a new sermon series called, Oh, Come, Let Us Adore Him, and it's our Advent series as we prepare for Christmas. And so I'm wondering, uh, from this series, as we wrap it up tonight, what are some things that you're going to carry forward with you? What are some things that have changed in your life over the last several weeks as we've gone through this series? What are some ways that you're going to be moving forward to the next level in your marriage? What about the next level in your family? The next level in your career? You know, God has a lot to say about our work and how vital it is, whether we are in vocational ministry or whether we are in the marketplace. Where we are as Christians is our ministry, and that includes our work. How are you going to take step forward this year in your finances? How are you going to take step forward this year in your community? And in every aspect of who you are, how are you going to take that next step forward in your relationship with God? So I'm going to do a quick review of 39 chapters of Exodus. Are you ready? Say, yes, we are. Okay, here we go. Why did God appear to Moses in a burning bush and call Moses to lead his people? For the glory of God. Why did God command Moses to confront Pharaoh and tell Pharaoh to let my people go? For the glory of God. Why did God come against Pharaoh and all of his gods with the plagues? For the glory of God. Why did God cross the Israelites miraculously through the Red Sea and save them? For the glory of God. Why did God destroy the Egyptians as they were pinned between the waters of the Red Sea? For the glory of God. Why did God continue to lead these stubborn, stiff-necked people of Israel when they disobeyed over and over? For the glory of God. Why did God give Moses and his people the law? For the glory of God. Why did God command Moses to build him a tabernacle so that he could dwell with them? For the glory of God. I think you see the theme, right? 
All of this was done for the glory of God. That's a very quick overview that leads us to this last chapter in Exodus of a beautiful story of redemption that God has led his people out of slavery into freedom. And now as we enter Exodus 40, which is the final chapter, remember that God took his people from being slaves for 430 years. That's all Israel knew. The people of God, they were were slaves for generation upon generation, century upon century. That's all they knew. And he brought them from being slaves to being a nation. They were God's people. And to be a nation, you need a few things. Number one, to be a nation, you need to have people. And to, be, uh, to have people, what you need to have is law. And to have people that have law, you need land. And those are things that, that we're going to see that, that, were, that was happening. So God created a people, he gave them the law, and he was taking them to the promised land. The same thing applies for us today, that, that we as, as children of God are, are chosen, that we are his nation, that we are his people. And in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, you can read it on the screen with me. It says, but, but you, and Peter is writing to people who are uh, followers of Christ, and he says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. There's a reason God has called us out to be his people, and one of those is so that we may proclaim his excellencies, proclaim his glory, to speak it. And I, I know I, I may sound like a broken record, but that's okay. When it, if the broken record is, is repeating itself on something good, I think that's okay. But I've become a strong proponent of speaking out the truth of God and praying out the truth of God over our lives. And so we, we as, as, as people tend to, or some people, intellectualize the gospel and to where we want to, to reason with everyone. But what it's going to take is, is not just reasoning with people. It's going to take the Holy Spirit moving on the people of God, moving on the hearts of people to, to draw them from doubt to faith, to draw them to salvation. And God uses his word to do that, but he uses his word also through us proclaiming the excellencies of who God is. So God made Israel his people, he gave them the law, and he was ready to give them the land, although they didn't, a lot of them didn't enter that land. The, the older generation did not. But in order to understand uh, what's going on here, I want us to focus on this last part of, of uh, chapter 40, verses 34 through 38, again, which is what we just read. So I'm going to read it again um, in chapter um, 40, verses 34 through 38. You can go back to the front on that. So it's this, the, there's the cloud covered the tent meeting in uh, chapter 30, uh, 40, verse 34. The cloud covered the tent meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And the tabernacle is where God dwelt. And Moses was not able to enter into the tent of meeting. If you remember last week, this tent of meeting is where Moses would go, and he he went in there, and he he was like shining bright like a diamond, right? He was too soon? Okay. So he was shining brightly from the glory of the Lord, and people were just, whoa, as he goes into the tent of meeting, they were worshiping the Lord because it was a miraculous thing that was happening. And he wasn't able to go in there because the cloud settled on it. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Throughout all their journeys, wherever, whenever the cloud was taken up from the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out. They would go. But if the cloud was not taken up, they did not set out until the day that it was taken up. So they didn't go until God went. 
For the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day, and by night there was fire in the sight of the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. And so we see that the way forward for the, group, for the people of Israel was to have God's glory with them. And so the way forward for us is the same thing. For us to move forward in our lives, what we need is the glory of God on our lives. Remember last week we had the mirror, and we talked about reflecting the glory of God into the lives of others, and, and how in order for a mirror to properly work, there needs to be light to, to expose the image. And so we need to have the light of God in our lives. And, and the mirror has to be pointed in the right direction. So if, if we're going to um, reflect the glory of God, we need to have our mirrors, our faces, pointing towards God so that we can reflect his image. Otherwise, we're simply reflecting our own glory or the glory of something far less, uh, far more inferior than the glory of God. And so we need to be pointed in the right direction. Our, our mirrors need to be clean. So that's, you know, confessing, confessing our sin, making sure our, our lives are ready to magnify the, um, the goodness of God, to reflect the glory of God. But for us to move forward, just like the people of Israel, we need to have, be people of glory. Something needs to be different about us. Not us having the right answers to, to all the critics, but the glory of God needs to rest on us. We find out in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 that the tabernacle and later the temple were meant to symbolize God's people. They were meant to symbolize the church. And so individually and together as a church, we are now the place where God dwells. God dwells in us. And Christ has saved us and he's redeemed us. And so we are people of God's glory. And so who are people of God's glory? If you want to follow along, there's an outline. We're going to get three points here tonight to help us understand how we can move forward in being people of his glory, people of God's glory, not of our own, but of his glory, reflecting his glory into the world. The first thing is, number one, people of his glory are redeemed. People of his glory are redeemed. In order for us to reflect the glory of God, we have to be changed. And the thing that is, that is separating us between uh, ourselves and God is, is sin. And we have to be redeemed and, and brought back by God. And so we started this, chapter, or this series 39 chapters ago in Israel, and the people of Israel were, were slaves in Egypt, where they had no rights. They were under the power of Pharaoh. And yet God in his goodness and his greatness made them his people. He took someone who was subservient to others, someone who was owned by others with no rights, and he rescued them out, and he said, you are my people. He shared his goodness and his greatness with them. Moses, Pharaoh, and Israel, everyone found out how powerful God was how he was all-knowing and how he was all-present through all the signs and the wonders. And they also found out the extent to, that God would go to in order to redeem his people. The measure to which the gospel really digs down into our, the depths of our soul is related to our understanding of the depths that God went into to redeem us. You know the, the story of the, in the scriptures where you know, Jesus is telling a parable, I believe, and uh, he was like, you know, there, was, there were people who were forgiven, and one was forgiven a lot, and one was forgiven a little, and the little 
wasn't forget. I mean, wasn't very grateful. But the one who was forgiven a lot was really grateful. That's who we are. That we've been forgiven so much, and His faithfulness is is how we are able to uh, to be redeemed. Is because He has gone to the depths of hell for us to be rescued and redeemed. It was through His broken body, as we do communion here in a, in a little while. It's through His broken body and His, his poured out blood, His sacrifices. His blood has redeemed us. And in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, we see this. It says, In Him, and Him is referring to Christ here, in Jesus we have redemption through His blood. We have the forgiveness of sins, uh, the forgiveness of our trespasses, and it's according to the riches of His grace. Not because we did well and, and we earned it, but because God in His goodness is, is rich with grace. We are redeemed people. And so in order for us to be a people of His glory, we have to receive that redemption. We have to become someone who is uh, participating or actively receiving it and participating in the work that He has done. It's not something that's just going to be automatically applied to us because of someone else's decision for us. It's something that we have to do ourselves. To be a people of God's glory, we are redeemed. The second one is this. People of His glory are holy. People of His glory are holy. And this is very important to understand, it, and it will really change your life if you, can under, if you can apply this. I think understanding it and applying it are two different things. Holiness speaks more to our identity than it does our behavior. Holiness is who we are in Christ. And we're talking about who we are more than what we do. Does that make sense? Holiness speaks more about our identity, but more than it speaks to our behavior. God redeems us out of slavery to sin, and he brings us out, and he stamps us, and he approves us, and he transforms us into his holy nation, his people, his, his children who are holy. And that's our identity is, is that is who we are. And so now we want to live within that holiness instead of trying to work to attain it. The people were instructed in Israel to anoint everything with oil. If you remember those, and a lot of details in 13 weeks, you can't cover 40 chapters detail by detail. But the anointing of the oil, they, they marked it out, and it was to make it holy. And now it is the Holy Spirit that we are anointed by instead of the oil. And if we are redeemed, then now the Holy Spirit starts to work in our lives. And we will move forward. But we won't move forward living out an unholy identity. And a lot of times we struggle in sin or defeat or doubt or whatever it may be because we don't believe that we're holy. Because we remember what happened years ago. And the enemy tries to bring that up or, or brings it up often. It's like, you're, you're unworthy. We remember what we did last week. And Satan was telling us, look, it's okay to do that. It's all right. God will forgive you. He's a gracious God. And we do, and we go do those things. And as soon as we do it, the enemy now changes his narrative and says, how could God ever forgive you? You knew you shouldn't have done that. And we forget it's the faithfulness of God that has transformed us from slaves to holy children of God. It's an identity thing, not a behavior thing. 
We'll talk about behavior in just a few moments. Listen to what Moses said in in chapter 33 when he talks about the holiness. He said these things. He said, in verse 13, he said, Please teach me your ways. He was talking with God. He says, Please teach me your ways. There's a heart of wanting to know the ways of God. It was a holiness, a, a desire to do this. And later in verse 15, he says to God, If your presence doesn't go, then don't make us go from here. Remember he said that? He said, God, if we can't have you, don't make us leave. I mean, we can have the stuff that you want to give, but that's, not, that's nothing if we don't have you. We want your glory. In verse 18, he said this. He said, let me see your glory, speaking to God. And so holiness in a, in a new identity, what it does is it keeps our heart in check to where we start to realize things that are true that we've often thought were not true. Holiness keeps our heart in check to where we realize what I need more than anything is, is not everything that I want for Christmas to come true. What I need more than anything is, is not a girl when we've had three boys and I really want a girl. Congratulations, by the way, to the Mayberries. Yeah, we can clap for that. That, that was an answered prayer, right? I mean, we were all along that journey, and God just really, I, I was crying at home when I found out. I had three hours of sleep, and Carrie wakes me up to, uh, you know, after three hours of sleep, I, I got home late. She's like, hey, it's a girl. And I went from, like, whatever the deep REM, is that the deep cycle? I went from that to, they did? That's amazing. I was so excited. God is good. But God is good even when you get a little boy. <laughs> what we need more than the joys of life, the, the blessings of God, and what we need more than that is Him, is God Himself. I know oftentimes I, I want His things more than I want Him. I'm just being honest. To be people that are holy, that are, that are people of his glory, it's, it's a steady diet of longing more and more for God himself and never letting go of him. This is how the, the glory of God will start to reflect out into our lives because I don't need anything from you. I don't need anything from the people that are out here. What I, what I need, I have. What I need is God, and now I have Him. And the people of God's glory are holy. We're different. We're set apart. We're transformed, which leads us to the last point, number three. The people of His glory have been redeemed, and they're holy, and the people of His glory, number three, are obedient. And these are in certain order, or specific order. They, they go in this progression that we are redeemed, we are made holy, and it's in that identity change that our behavior starts to change. What we do starts to change from this point. Otherwise, if we're trying to be obedient in order to be forgiven, or try to be obedient in order to be redeemed, or in order to be holy, or in order to be good, what we're doing is prescribing to a false religion, a religion that's going to actually keep us enslaved to our own morality. Amen? What we need is to be brought free, broken free from the, uh, from the chains of bondage. Chains of bondage. And that's what the gospel does. A people of God's glory are obedient. 
from chapters 33 to 40 in the book of Exodus, we, we looked at some of that, and uh, I'll just kind of generalize it. We see the recurring theme uh, throughout those eight chapters that says, Moses did exactly what God commanded. In fact, in chapter 40, we see this phrase that's on the screen behind me. Moses did exactly what God commanded. In verses 16 through 33 in the final chapter, we see this word for word. Things that Moses, God commanded to do, and Moses did exactly what God commanded. Moses did exactly what God commanded. More information, Moses did exactly what God commanded. Okay. More information, Moses did exactly what God Over and over, we see this obedience happening. It's not possible, this is very important, it's not possible for you to do your own thing and then say that you are living for the glory of God. It's not possible for you to go and do your own thing and do whatever you want to do and be oblivious to what God is wanting of of you and then turn around with truthfulness and say, oh, I'm living for the glory of God. Because the people that are living for the glory of God are an obedient people. There are people like Moses that did exactly what God commanded. And the way forward is, is paved with these very plain blocks of pavement called obedience. There's nothing spectacular about putting these, these stones down here like they did 1926, I would imagine these are the original floors when this building was built. They put these down. It was hard work. It was laborious. It took a long time for them to do it. But that's the path. If I want to leave out of that door, I have to walk down this path, and that path was built on very mundane things called stones. The faithfulness of taking a stone and then filling in the cracks and letting it set. And obedience is not something that we just love to talk about. But it is the foundation upon our ability to move forward in our lives with God. Obedience. God sets the tone for our lives. He sets the guidelines. It is God who holds all things together. And He leads us forward for our good. And what else? For His glory. God wants good things for me, and He wants good things for you. But He also wants to make sure that He's the one getting the glory. And that's a good thing. We're reminded that God tells Moses back in chapter 33, He says, I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. And in our world today, we think, well, that sounds really prideful of God. I'm going to do what I'm going to do when I want to do it. That sounds like a a prideful man or woman that just wants to be obstinate and set in their ways, doesn't it? The problem is that power, that all power that God has, omnipotence, all-powerful, it doesn't corrupt him. This all-powerful God who demands his glory is the same one who lays down his life for us so that we can receive Redemption, become holy, and become children who live obediently and joyfully with Him. Power corrupts us, so don't transfer your your relationships with people in power who've corrupted it over to God because it doesn't work that way. 
And at the same time, I want us to realize that, that God is God and we are not. And we are not in a position to force His hand to do anything. We can't twist and contort the Word of God in order to fit our lifestyle. We can't twist this in order to say, I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it. And yes, it's for the glory of God. That, that's not how it works. What needs to happen is we need to twist and we need to contort our lifestyles to mirror and reflect the Word of God. That's how we become people of His glory. That's how we move forward in life is by those basic things of laying the foundation of obedience. It's not glamorous. It's not glamorous living obediently and doing what God wants you to do, but it is the way forward. Obedience comes after redemption. Obedience comes after redemption. It comes after the fact that God's already made us holy. You get that? Say, I get that. Obedience doesn't make us holy. Obedience doesn't redeem us, but obedience comes afterwards. We're getting ready to start the, the new series next week, and I'm, I'm excited about it because um, it's Christmas time, and um, it, it is showing how God is with us. You know, Emmanuel means God with us. That's another, way, another name for Jesus. And it's how we see that, that God has, has come for us. In Exodus chapter 40, uh, verses 36, it says... The Israelites, um, I'll read it here, throughout all their journeys, whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, tabernacle, the people of Israel was set out. So go back to that verse again. When would they set out? When was God with them? Very first words, throughout all their journeys. God was with them. He was moving them forward. In the next verse, we see the same thing. For the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day and the fire by night in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout what? All their journeys. So God was with them throughout all the stages of their journey. And the way forward for you and the way forward for me is for us to be the people of God's glory, to bask in his goodness, to receive the Holy Spirit and to live by his power until Jesus comes back or until the day we go to be with him. The way forward for us is to be a people of his glory. The way forward is about action. It's not about sitting back and doing nothing. So sometimes the gospel we think, well, Jesus did it all. There's really nothing for me to do. In some senses, you're correct. There's nothing you can do to cause God to love you more. There's nothing you can do to save yourself. But the way forward, the path forward is for us to do something. It's for us to receive the truth that we've been redeemed. It's for us to understand our new identity that we are holy children of God. And it's for us to take action, action through faithful steps of obedience and say, God, I, I don't really understand this and this hurts for me to do this because I really love what's happening over there. But your word says for me to follow you here. And so I'm going to follow you here. And we take those steps of obedience Sometimes a step of obedience is waiting. And waiting is very hard. I want to close with one final scripture. And before we get to it, I want us to, uh, in a spirit of thanksgiving, to realize that 
God is calling us to be a people of action, to be obedient, but he's not asking us to do something that he's not done himself because Jesus took action on our behalf. And as we get ready to start our Christmas season, we're going to see how he took action by coming and rescuing us. We're going to see how he was a God of action and redemption and holiness and obedience. We worship a God who is not only with us, but he is for us. And he is desiring to live within us. Now it's time for us as the redeemed of God to say so. I don't mean just say the word so, but to speak the truth of God. You know what I found? This is not in the sermon notes, so hopefully this will go well. I'm taking a step of faith. Here we go. So I was driving Uber the other night, and the conversation, these, these group of people get in, and they don't know who I am, right? I'm just an Uber driver named Daniel with a five-star rating. <laughs> so they get in, and they're having a conversation, and it's, you know, they're in their mid-20s, and they're out partying, and, you know, language is what you might expect, and conversations topically are what you might expect, and, uh, and it was, they were, like, engaging me with the stuff, and I was like, I'm, this is kind of awkward for me right now. Normally, I'm pretty good at it, but I felt really awkward, and I struggled. Listen to this. When it came to the point of them telling, asking me, so what do you do? I was like, I don't want to tell them I'm a pastor right now because this is going to get really awkward in here. And we still got 18 minutes to their destination. <laughs> and so I, I put it on pause. I didn't tell them right then. And I was like, oh, you know, I just do this part-time and I just kind of changed the subject back on them. And then it came back at me. I was like, dude, bro, what are you doing? This is your chance. The redeemed of the people need to say so. You need to turn this conversation around. So finally I was able to tell them. And I'm actually a pastor full-time. Say, what? I, I love that reaction part. Once I finally took the step of obedience, I was like, oh yeah, I was, I'm so glad I did that because that is so good. But it, it, is, it is really tempting a lot of times for us to hide who we are. And you face that in your workplace, don't you? You face that in your family relationships. You face that with your friends. But when you understand how much God has done for you, when you understand the greatness of your redemption, when you understand that now you're a holy, chosen child of God, you will want to tell other people about your Lord. And you will want other people to know what you know. Because what you know is who you know. You have all that you need in Him. And obedience comes through us taking those steps of faith. And so as Psalm 107, you can read this with me, or read it on the screen behind me as I, as I read out loud. It says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. That means speak it. Don't just think it. Speak it. Be grateful for what God has done for you. Be, be thankful and speak it out to other people whom God has redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the east, which is that way, and the west, and the north, and the south. And the beautiful thing about New York City is we have people from all those directions, right? From all over the world, God has redeemed his people. And so it's time for us as his people to say so. So I want you to take those steps of obedience forward. I want you to look for those opportunities that are awkward for you to share your faith with people. For you to share with them that, yeah, I mean, I get it that these things are, are fun in the world's eyes, but there's something much more better. Much more better? I'm going to say that. That's good. It's much more better. 
Muy bueno. There we go. So the action steps for you to take is this. Have you ever experienced redemption through Christ? Do you know him? Have you been redeemed by him? Are you holy? Are you keeping your eyes focused on who he is and who you are as a result of that? And are you speaking truth over your lives? When you face temptation to go where you shouldn't go or do what you shouldn't do, speak words over your lives and say, No, God, I thank you that I am chosen and holy and that you've set me apart for your glory and that the ways of the world are not my ways. You have something better for me, Lord. Thank you for redeeming me. Thank you for causing me to be holy. And then through obedience, because of that, God, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to wait for you if, as an action step. Sometimes waiting is an action. And sometimes waiting is not good because we know the next step God has for us to take. So trusting God through all the stages in your journey, wherever you are in life, trust the Lord. Are you willing to set aside the things in your life to walk in obedience to the Lord. As our musicians come forward and we prepare for our response to communion, I'd like to challenge you to pray about that tonight. Where is the next step of faith in you? Is it coming to faith and realizing and being redeemed by faith in Christ? Is it just understanding, you know what? I don't, I don't live with the identity that I am holy and set apart, and I need to take that step tonight, and I need to preach that to myself over and over. Or is it the fact that I know those things, but I'm just not saying what I'm supposed to say. I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do, and I need to be obedient. What step does God have for you to take tonight? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we want to thank you so much for the, the gift of life that you've given to us. Thank you for redeeming us and, and calling us out of captivity to sin, and that we are now children of the Lord that we are holy and set apart. And Lord, I pray that you would cause our hearts to uh, affectionately obey you, to, to trust you, and to realize that, that when you have something um, awkward or hard or, 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 or just uncomfortable even for us to do, I pray that we would joyfully take a step forward and realize that you have a plan for it and that you're working all things for the good of those who love you. And Lord, I pray that we would learn to love you more that we'd love you more purely, we would desire you more than your things, we would desire you more than peace, we would desire you more than affection, we would just desire you and have you so that all of those pieces in our lives we would put together perfectly by your hands. In Jesus' name, amen.